it was it, it started uh, there was no going back at that time so mm. I decided that you know whatever challenges that we face we're just gonna have to come up with uh, a solution you know as a volunteer I could always say well you know I tried so this is it um, but then I look at the students who have invested mm. uh, their life in this yes. I think of the students parents who have who are waiting uh, with excitement uh, for the graduations of their children. Uh, so I say to myself, this is not fair. I can't stop. I have to keep going. You're listening to Caring for Cleft, an audio series that tells stories of comprehensive cleft care around the world. Caring for Cleft is brought to you by the team at Transforming Faces. It is hosted by Executive Director Hugh Brewster. In countries like Ethiopia, cleft lip and palate affects over 1 in 700 births. Now, when we think of a cleft or an opening in a baby's lip or roof of their mouth, most of us think of surgery. And this is indeed a critical and early step in a child's treatment process. However, we know that clear speech and communication can represent a huge barrier for children born with a cleft palate. And how do you address this challenge in a country where speech-language therapy is not a recognized profession? Today, I want to take you to Yakata 12 Hospital in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, the only center delivering comprehensive cleft care in the country. Yakata's cleft unit is led by a surgeon named Dr. Makana an inspiring man who completed medical training all over the world, but always had a strong desire to return and serve in his home country, Ethiopia. Uh, actually, from the very beginning, I uh, became interested in clefts. When I started my training, it, was, uh, it happened to be that at the end of our training, we have to publish. So I was uh, thinking what, what to do, what to publish, and then uh, my supervisor, Dr. Grabham, advised uh, to work on cleft. In 2007, I, early 2007, I became a member of the cleft team at Yakatit. And uh, at around uh, 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 October of 2007, uh, the former cleft leader left, and then I replaced him. And you know, uh, cleft, it's a lot of opportunity for you also. Uh, It gives you an opportunity to see a change in people's suffering. Uh, You know, sometimes with single surgery, you change a lot of things. Mm. And if you do it further, if you do it in a team, uh, you know, it's really a privilege because you see uh, somebody's life changes, somebody was able to speak and you know, able to go to school. Mm. Uh, so with your little involvement, uh, it's not, I think, in, not in all fields that you see such a really dramatic change. So it is, uh, uh, when I think now, uh, I was really, I did <laughs> right to, to be involved in cleft care. In Ethiopia, patients face enormous challenges in getting access to timely treatment for cleft lip and palate. This is exacerbated by the pervasive shame and stigma commonly associated with having a cleft. Uh, yeah, you know, it is, uh, the suffering is enormous. 
in uh, especially in a country like ours uh, when cleft is considered as a curse uh, when uh, you know many people think that this is not repairable uh, the life of these people will not change and you know it is uh, uh, when you really see uh, uh, somebody's life is changed and you improve their life you know also, it is not really uh, when you are treating a cleft patient, uh, it's different. Uh, you are as if you are treating the whole family, the whole relatives, you know, because everybody is ashamed of uh, this deformity, they hide, uh, you know. So, when by treating uh, one child, it is a whole family, you know, the whole relatives, you know, it is, uh, it is a really, it's different from uh, other uh, surgical cases. Early in his career as a surgeon, Dr. McConnell came to understand that many cleft patients would require more than a surgery to make a full recovery. When I started my training, I just came from Arba Minch and I was sitting in that room. And then a girl came uh, uh, to this room. She, we were, she wants to communicate with me. We cannot. I cannot communicate because she doesn't speak well. And then uh, when I found out that she has cleft lip and palate, it was repaired, but she cannot speak. Mm -hmm. That time was when speech therapy was started. And then I went for uh, uh, three years training, uh, Norway, India, and so on. After three years, when I met her, she is speaking well, and we can communicate. Wow. You know, during this time, she did speech surgery, she did speech therapy with an original speech therapist, and she, uh, we can communicate. So actually I was, I'm telling this to every, every conference, you know, because this was a big surprise for me, who doesn't know what speed therapy is. Um, as a surgeon, I thought it's just closing a hole is very, very important, yes. and that is the most important thing. But this was really a very, uh, a very important moment for me to understand that really speech is, is one very important aspect of uh, rehabilitation. Um, I feel it's very important um, from a speech therapy point of view, but also, um, of course, uh, we also should worry about the child's um, look. Uh, once that's repaired with surgery and the children have to go back to school, and yes, the bullying might stop from their appearances, but it will not stop because they will also have problem speaking, uh, having an intelligible speech. Um, so uh, there's a lot of misconception that uh, just by doing the surgeries, um, they can stop them from uh, being bullied. Um, but with, when the child gets to school age and they're going to school and they haven't had speech therapy with a cleft uh, palate repair, they're going to face other bullying. That was Burhani Abera, who, along with her colleague Masai Gebrahana Khapti, were for years the only two qualified speech professionals in all of Ethiopia. That's two speech-language pathologists serving in a country of over 100 million. In Western countries, cleft palate surgeries occur within 6 to 12 months of an infant's birth. In Ethiopia, waiting lists, long distances to medical centers, and a lack of community awareness about treatment options means patients generally have to wait much longer. This causes challenges for a child in learning to speak clearly. Usually, if the palate is repaired within uh, a year or a year and two months, 
um, the likelihood of that child having a um, problem with speech is less uh, than someone that haven't had the palate repair until they are four years old of age or five because they're used to uh, speaking with the open palate and uh, they will definitely will require uh, speech therapy. Speech therapy was first offered to cleft patients in Addis Ababa by visitors from Norway. Based on encouraging early results, the Akatit 12 team was convinced that training speech therapists who could deliver support in local languages would be critical. Other stakeholders, including government and health officials, began to take note. Eventually, Yakatit 12 came up with an agreed-upon solution, sending a group of six bright young students to South Africa to complete speech therapy training. This was an expensive proposition, but seemed like the best option for quickly starting to address this pressing need. But unfortunately, uh, you know, when these people come back, the speech therapists are trained, they were trained at in a very... Uh, one of the best universities in the world at uh, Cape Town University. So when they come back, uh, there are some situations like some, as we say, pulling and pushing factors. Sure. There was a pushing factor and also the pulling factor. They were trained, they are abroad uh, in the best university. Uh, they, are, they can be attracted anywhere, you know, they can be employed anywhere. <laughs> so, sure. so that has all left, as you know, uh, as you have heard. And, um, that was really a big trauma for our unit. The worldwide phenomenon of skilled professionals leaving their country, usually for better pay, living conditions, or political stability, is called brain drain. While devastating to Yakatit's short-term hopes of improving cleft care for children in Ethiopia, the team did not give up. Uh, well, we figured out from that experience that um, retention um, is an issue of uh, SLPs trained uh, outside of Ethiopia. So it was um, uh, decided to start training uh, the SLPs here locally. So it uh, was myself, uh, Masai, and um, a speech uh, Dr. Sajila. Um, she is a professor at uh, Cape Town University. Mm-hmm. Um, Anders, uh, who's a speech therapist from Norway. Uh, and also two um, doctors from Addis Ababa University Special Education. That's we formed a committee to work on the developing the curriculum. We have to improve the situation. We have to try. The government has tried to create a better uh, working atmosphere, a better job satisfaction, and also I think train strength and training in the country because the possibility for brain drain will be significantly minimized by by improving the training in the country. The team was motivated to achieve this new goal, but they soon learned that Addis Ababa University's approval of an undergraduate speech therapy curriculum was not going to be the most difficult of the challenges that the committee would face. Who was going to teach the students? Well, um, it's very difficult. Um, It was difficult in such that... uh, we don't have uh, speech pathology professionals in the country. Mm. Uh, so we will have to heavily rely on external parties to support. And um, at the time, the university didn't see this as a problem um, during the initial uh, setting up of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we further look into the university policies and program, we discovered that uh, it was going to be a challenge to recruit uh, um, lecturers from outside as the university policy is to engage 
locals uh, for a bachelor's degree program. Actually, the biggest problem was um, uh, to get uh, professionals who can teach. And the university policy was, uh, this is an undergraduate program uh, through multiple uh, difficult issues. The uh, program was approved, validated, approved by the Senate of the university, uh, started. Uh, at the beginning, there was a speed therapist, but uh, in the middle of the training, there is none. So now it is a really uh, a big issue because uh, the university uh, approved the program, uh, at least you have to graduate at least one or two batches, and in the middle of the, the program uh, it was stopped without graduating uh, even a single batch. That mm. was uh, really a big trauma for the department. It must have been very upsetting for you. Very upsetting for everybody in the unit. Uh, so uh, that was a big challenge. and. Uh, it was, it, it started, uh, there was no going back at that time. So mm -hmm. I decided that, you know, whatever challenges that we face, we're just going to have to come up with uh, a solution. So for every problem that we face, we had to also think of a solution. So it was never, oh, okay, well, you know, we tried, uh, it's here <laughs> now, uh, and this is it. Um, um, don't get me wrong, there were many times that I felt that way, uh, you know, saying, well, you know, I think this is it. Um, so sometimes you're just like, you know, what next? Uh, and then, you know, as a volunteer, I could always say, well, you know, I tried. So this is it. Um, but then I look at the students who have invested uh, their life in this. Yes. I think of the students' parents who, ha who are waiting uh, with excitement uh, for the graduations of their children. Uh, so I say to myself, this is not fair. I can't stop. I have to keep going. So we, you know, we go look for different uh, solutions and uh, transforming faces have been our solution <laughs> to this and we're grateful for that. With the encouragement of the Akatit 12 team, Transforming Faces was able to facilitate a partnership with a University of Toronto affiliated organization called TAC. It has a rich experience and track record of building new academic disciplines in Ethiopia. So I'm Marcy Rose. I'm an occupational therapist by profession, and I'm the program manager for the Toronto Addis Ababa Academic Collaboration, which we have shortened to TAC. The history of TAC is TAC started in 2003. Back in 2003, um, on the request of Addis Ababa University, we were engaged to look at starting a psychiatry residency training program. In 2003, there were about 78 million people in Ethiopia, Two and a half faculty in a department of psychiatry, one department of psychiatry in the country at Addis Ababa University, and about six psychiatrists in the whole country. So as you can imagine, uh, very resource limited. There was an over 90% brain drain of people who were training, leaving Ethiopia to train in postgraduate training in, in any kind of postgraduate training program. And so they were losing the best and the brightest. Uh, the idea was kind of hatched. What if we could provide people with what they need in country? Uh, would it increase the likelihood that people would stay and build healthcare capacity in the country? So we began the model with sending two psychiatrists and a senior student, a resident, to Ethiopia for a month at a time, three times a year, kind of a bolus effect, go and teach and, uh, and then leave and the faculty or 
people there would continue with the teaching in between and, and programming and to try to help graduate uh, psychiatry residents. This model was really, was very well received by Addis Ababa University. And in 2008, they said, would we consider expanding to other postgraduate training programs? So we have about 24 partnerships now. Many of them are in the medical field, but we certainly have, with speech language pathology and other professions, have extended beyond that. That's it's kind of how it works. As the eager students waited for their program to continue, TAC worked with the Akatit 12 in the university to assess the best way forward. Well, there was, there was no academic landscape for SLP. Uh, Dr. McConan has been a tremendous advocate, and, and I think truly without him, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation today. Uh, he and others have been real strong supporters of the need for speech-language pathology and for other allied health professionals to help provide kind of a full range of treatment uh, for people uh, with speech-language problems. So it, it was worrisome. Uh, we had these, you know, bright and enthusiastic students who had had some teaching and then had very long periods where they had no courses and no instruction and no guidance. And it's hard to keep momentum as a student when you're kind of stopping and starting and false starts along the way, and that's certainly what happened to this group. But we, when they approached us, we, we were committed to the challenge of trying to help this cohort of students graduate it. You know, it was unfortunate that they got kind of caught up in the, the mess of not having uh, what was needed to be able to help them graduate. Fortunately, TAC had had experience with situations like this. Well, we've done this before. Uh, there were no emergency medicine physicians in the country when we started emergency medicine. There were no family physicians in the country when we started family medicine with them. So there's precedent uh, for other programs, but, but it is challenging. You need, a, you need a real champion, and we had that on the ADA side. Uh, we had a model that we felt was kind of tried and true of sending faculty. And we thought if we can get some traction uh, and get a, a good cohort of students graduated with some good clinical skills, then there's a possibility that we can continue this and, and really grow the profession. I think the uh, real kind of drive is people are very excited to be part of a new and emerging profession. And I think that really kind of captures people. Uh, to be on the cusp of something that is new, that um, really from the ground up is a, a real gift to be able to be part of that. So that's been part of the wonderful partnership that we've had with Transforming Faces is being able to uh, recruit and send faculty to teach, uh, to work with our Ethiopian colleagues, and to b build a profession that has never been there before. Tax model provided Canadian professors to keep the momentum going while the team in Addis pushed it forward. I, I think the magic in some ways is simple in that if people can get the education that they need in the country, they'll stay. I mean, people leave because they can't learn and get the professional education that they want. If they can get it there, many people would like to stay and build the healthcare resources in the country, but if you can't get the education, then, then you leave, and then you're at risk of not coming back. So the magic is providing what people need in country and really having it driven by Addis Ababa University.
in some ways we're like supply teachers or technicians. They don't have faculty to teach something, and we provide them with the faculty to do that. Thanks to TAC's innovative partnership model and the tireless work of everyone involved, the first two cohorts of speech students graduate in July 2019. After such a long journey, everyone is ready to celebrate. Very excited, very excited. I can't almost believe it. <laughs> I need to be standing there when they're walking through that aisle uh, of graduation ceremony. But this, uh, it's a big, a big, a huge achievement. Uh, when we first started, um, like I said, there were so many challenges and you almost are just like knocking your head at the wall saying, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's happening. We're near the end. This is a big achievement for those involved in creating and sustaining the program, all of whom were inspired by the tenacity and commitment of the speech students, students like Biniam and Rahama. We passed uh, many challenge, challenging times before. It was a very challenging yeah. time to be part of the first cohort. Yeah, yeah, it's very challenging. It's very challenging time. Was. I will help you. <laughs> Yeah, we are happy because we faced so many challenges. Uh, we lost uh, one additional, we had uh, one additional year because of uh, lack of teachers. So we have to wait for teachers to come from foreign countries. So that's hard for us. Yet these students point us back to what motivated them to choose this career path in the first place. The first thing I chose is uh, because it is a new field in Ethiopia and there are so many people who need uh, speech and language therapy services. So we want to help those people. <laughs> Their graduation symbolizes a milestone for Ethiopia. And with this new profession, new opportunities for the country emerge. Uh, well, it is a really uh, it's a joy. <laughs> We are going to have, from none now, uh, at some point, there was none. Uh, now we are going to have seven and followed by 11. Uh, so we are going to have uh, 18 uh, speed therapists. This will open, I think, uh, uh, many things will open uh, for future training. There are many, many, not only clefters who, which need, uh, uh, who need clef, uh, speech therapy, many patients, stroke patients. Mm -hmm. uh, there are children who are born with other conditions anomalies, like autism, mm -hmm. many other. Uh, in, in stroke and other, these are also increasing now in this country. So uh, there, I think speech therapists are needed in the province hospitals. In specialized hospitals, so uh, it is. It's a big joy. Thank you. Uh, those who really supported us, and uh, I think uh, this has to continue. So I mean, we have to produce uh, people who can uh, who can teach. I mean, one of our our hopes, and I believe the hope of Addis Ababa University, is to evolve the undergraduate program into a master's of speech-language pathology. Uh, that will make it kind of more on par with worldwide standards for SLPs that are usually a master's level degree. Uh, and then as these master's trained SLPs graduate, 
to bring them on as faculty at the university. Love to see a, a robust faculty like we have in psychiatry now. Uh, certainly, there's 105 million people in Ethiopia, but only about 5 million of them live in Addis, which means we need to expand and branch out outside of Addis. Uh, hopefully, some of those SLP graduates will go to other cities and start SLP programs in those universities, and that will continue to broaden the reach of speech-language pathologists. I think there's an opportunity for SLP to really be a center of excellence for sub-Saharan Africa, that you know, it would be nice to see training where other African countries, they're coming to Addis to get the training, that people don't have to leave the continent or leave the country. So you know, that would be a, a real advance, and I think something we, we would hope for. These new speech professionals will have a profound impact on the lives of children born with cleft, as well as others throughout the country who require speech therapy. Definitely lives will change um, just by even having um, one speech therapist in this um, comprehensive cleft uh, care in um, Yekatit. Um, a lot of people's life have changed because um, I've had patients tell me that a doctor in a rural area, when she gave birth to a cleft child, said, you, this child is not going to live. Uh, but she didn't believe him. You know, she went with her mother's instinct uh, and she grabbed her child and brought him to um, here, to Yakati, and to learn more about, you know, how her child will be, if given the appropriate treatment, her child will be just like any other uh, child and you'll have that, you know, her, she will have the opportunity to go to school, um, to play with other kids and, you know, be what she wants to be in the future. So, um, definitely, it's going to have a huge impact um, in the future. A group of eager young speech professionals are now ready to lead the way in Ethiopia. With the vision of Addis Ababa University, the skills and expertise of international partners like TAC, and the efforts of local champions at Yakatit 12, a new profession in Ethiopia has been born. Overcoming many challenges, no one gave up on the dream. Why? Because they each have stories that inspire them. Stories like Burhani's. I had met this 21-year-old um, uh, female uh, with a cleft palate who was working in someone's, uh, she was a domestic worker, she was working um, in someone's home. And it was very difficult for her to uh, take time to come to get treatment. But she managed one time, and um, she came to Yakati to ask, to inquire about it. I remember she was very shy. And um, when I was talking to her, be after, you know, she finally decided uh, it was okay to have the surgery. She was also terrified of having surgery. Because that, that's not something that people are used to. When you talk about surgery in in this part of the world, it's, oh, okay, am I going to survive the surgery? Um, you know, it's beyond just thinking of the repair of the cleft. Um, so she finally, we got her to accept it, and she went ahead with the surgery. So after surgery, she was told that she would require speech therapy because obviously for 20, 21 years, she's been speaking this way. Um, and um, during therapy, she was very shy. 
she was extremely shy and she was Muslim as well um, and she covers up and uh, she was uh, a bit uh, timid um, so I during therapy I try to talk to her and you know just ask her question try to get her to open up so that she can also participate fully in the therapy and I've asked her um, why do you think uh, you know how did you get the cleft what do you think has happened she said well the story is my grandmother was very mean. She used to laugh at kids that had cleft. And, you know, I was told that that's why I ended up having cleft, because she laughed at other kids. And this is what she truly believed that had happened to her. And um, so I explained to her, uh, <laughs> you know, that is not the case. And uh, I explained how uh, cleft, how people could be born with cleft. And after that, after um, her therapy, she started seeing changes. And one day she came to therapy, she was super excited. And like I said, she was very shy, but that day she was very excited and I didn't know what had happened. And she was so excited because she was able to talk to people on the phone. Mm -hmm. And actually people understood her talking on the phone. Wow. So that really made my day, you know, seeing her, that shy um, girl that was, wasn't very expressive at first. She was so excited to come and tell me. And so her speech improved a great deal enough that she was able to communicate using her cell phone now. Caring for Cleft is created by Transforming Faces. It is produced by Megan Gilbert with help from Hugh Brewster, Becca Sawyer, and Kari Siebritz. We're grateful for our guests, Makana Nashete, Berhani Abera, Marcy Rose, and our speech graduates, Rahama Aribi Mehdi and Biniam Gabriel Bewold. With special thanks to the Cleft Unit at Yakata 12 Hospital, past and present, Courtney Mollenhauer and Laura Lewis Watts, TAC and its team of SLP professors in Toronto, Addis Ababa University and the Department of Special Needs Education. International SLP advisors Trina Sweeney and Kate Crowley. To learn more, please visit us at transformingfaces.org.